hackingfreemusic.com. Hello and welcome to the Hack Inc. podcast, uh, your source of um, life hacks, hack hacks, and hacking people to pieces. I don't know. Is that? No, so, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is Gareth Lyons, and I'm joined today by Rachel. Mm. Yes. Rachel. Um, Hello. Yeah. So Rachel is an animation creative, let's say that. Um, yep. I, actually, what the word I'm coming to use now is an animation aficionado. Um, I, I found that recently when uh, writing up Steve's little blurb or whatever on what he says blurb. Much That's more. probably yeah. a lot more relevant to Steve Woods than to me. Hmm. I feel like yeah. he has like a level, an encyclopedic knowledge and yeah. a, like a widespread intake. I remember looking it up because I had to like Google it. I was like, is this the correct word? What does aficionado mean? Mm. And then once I looked it up, it was like somebody with a great enthusiasm, passion and knowledge for a particular topic, something like that. And I was like, that's great because it's not like it's it's more than a fan. And also it's it's very proactive, you know. Mm. So, yeah, um, I thought it was a bit dismissive because I didn't want to. I was kind of just like I wasn't sure what to call him because he's a man with many talents. And so, uh, you know, but when you say animation aficionado, it's like, yep, master of all trades, but I didn't want to imply jack of none. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Steve's a wonderful man. Yeah, great guy. Believed in me. Um, and my weird, weird shit that I drew in college. Um, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Everyone, <laughs> thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I guess that the reason we're all here today, because the reason we're all here today, what we wanted to talk about was, um, you know, just ge- have a general chat, first of all, mm-hmm. uh, about yourself, but also to lead into a uh, discussion on um, um, health and animation in a broad sense, and also um, burnout culture, which is something that people have been talking about online, mm-hmm. I've noticed, and uh, is only becoming more and more prevalent the more we hand over our animation powers to our uh, American betters, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Also just just very prevalent in, yeah. I guess, the current mode of capitalism. And yeah, like totally. Getting increasingly fragmented, you know, without yeah. the support of a team. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's kind of expectations and it's kind of like, you know, the less money that is given to productions, like the less money that's there to mm. accommodate people's different needs and things like that, but also... Like it would take, it would take someone really putting that at the forefront of planning a production, yeah, to want to accommodate people with different needs, um, and that's just you know that's not part of culture. That's not very like a normal thing, I guess, that you would expect for someone. Yeah. That that is the kind of thing that would probably require legislation or government directive, like rather than yeah, yeah. That's it's just a, a ramble, but I feel like it co- things could be accommodated a lot more than they are, especially it with, is with like technology. Funny because um, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but mm-hmm. like um, when you think about it in relation to like the tech sector in particular and stuff like this, like I guess around like the late nineties and stuff like where computers are becoming more into people's homes, especially in Ireland. Anyway, I think in America it was pretty much it was more common. Yeah, but like people were, you know wow this is amazing look what we can do look what's happening look what's bringing the yeah. world together and i don't i actually think that only now we're starting to investigate some of the thinking behind it and kind of go well hang on actually this isn't as a, as egalitarian or you know yeah. open-minded and spiritual as we thought it was it's like actually this 
strange um hollow enterprise obviously that's built on the bones of you know you know or maybe it's been co-opted i'm not sure where where it's like um you know people are like you there's no freedom you are literally at the whim of people 24 hours a day now and there you know there are things like texting with texting bloody text no but i'm just saying like um you know like no absolutely yeah, i i have thought just i'm um, just one thing is like that utopian dream yeah of the internet and it's quite libertarian to think you know mm. we'll just somehow distribute power using this technology exactly. and then everything will be hunky-dory and oh, never mind who's making it and why and for what purposes you know yeah and also like that's not going to challenge a global system mm. mode of production you know like yeah. it, but it was kind of beautiful like that people were so like Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. post, also post-humanism in itself, mm. like being seen as a utopian things, kind yeah. of like tech dream. There's something quite deranged and anti-life about all of that, that like, I don't know, for me, it links in with like robot ladies that you want to fuck, kind yeah, of like, yeah. we'll get beyond our, our human bodies. And It is so funny how like, how it's like this kind of utopian thing was actually just one degree away from the incel type shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, we're going to find a community. You know, you feel alone, but you won't feel alone anymore. And then people just get united around hate and start like, you know, yeah. taking it to the streets. And it's like, oh, like, how did we not see this, that this was a possibility? Do you know what I mean? I yep. think it's, 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 it's from a very thoughtful, sincere place. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you watch, there's an Adam Curtis documentary where hypernormalization, yeah. one of the parts in it that always got to me was the, part where he talks about cyberspace and how the idea and the world of it like the science fiction notion was dreamed up by these hippies who were getting into computers but also on like lsd Mm. or whatever so they feel like spiritually connected if we just had if we just broke free of the shackles of all these corporate Mm. people and then you know either they grew up or it was co-opted by other people and then the online world became the place that they were also trying to escape and became as atomized and you know the online world is just it's not divorced from physicality no humans aren't divorced from physicality and this idea it's kind of like nobody knows you're a dog on the internet yeah exactly exactly no one's gonna judge you on who you are like i remember as a 12 year old girl on like chat rooms like just talking to some 30 year old guy from new york um about like northern ireland yeah yeah (laughs) and it was like that i guess was kind of cool but a little strange like you know luckily i didn't run into any weird creepers online i can't yeah. say now that i think about that i was on chat rooms at that age um yeah probably shouldn't have been i think um, about like the stuff as well because forum culture was like it was very funny because we had a forum and there was only like four people in this <laughs> forum that i knew from school but it was a great incentive to like draw because you had like a yeah. captive audience because yeah. they would you know that they would have seen it and you could ask them directly the next day so that's I, yeah that's yeah. so different from because those are people that you have an in real life relationship yeah. with um maybe i'm overstating this because people do seem to form quite intense relationships with people that they've mm. never kind of met or seen physically but yeah like even with political discussions kind of talking to someone so like i haven't gone around and talked to people on doors i've just done stalls and this is purely my own fears um yeah but just talking to people one-on-one it's so different from like online where there's just you it's very ego driven in a way that i think just your common humanity can sometimes break down when you're looking at someone in their face yeah i'm kind of seeing you know this person seems kind and nice and like they're saying this thing but maybe i can exactly. get to them um yeah i, I was a like to to quote the the cancelled louis ck i know like 
justifiably so I'm just saying like one of the things he said which was interesting was he was talking about um, how you know how he just basically hates this sniping online you know mm. and he discouraged mm. it with his kids because he was like I he's like he didn't say he hated bullying mm. he said that like I want them to do it face to face with somebody so they can see the hurt that it causes in this person yep. and to you know because what happens is you send an insult out there and then it hits that person and you don't get anything back from that you know what i mean you just kind of get the feeling of saying something yeah. cutting but you don't get the the feeling when it lands you know yeah i actually yeah. i myself or oh, someone made some comment um it was about loyalists or something and yeah. i kind of went off like i'd never spoken to this woman she was friends with someone i knew yeah and i remember i just thought like I felt so bad about it and it was like would you say this to their face if the answer is no don't type it and I yeah. messaged her and was like I'm so sorry I never would have said that to your face yeah, yeah. it was purely because I was buying a keyboard and she was just like oh I really appreciate you apologizing yeah. like still disagree with her and yeah. stuff but like um yeah it's like that is just a good rule of thumb and not like this whole snarky gifts back to people and yeah oh, I don't know there's it's really reminds me of some sort of weird like piety like meets secondary school level bullying going yeah. on kind of i know oh god virtue signaling is such a like co-opted word by the right now but mm-hmm. like there is a level of that where you know it's like uh i was in religion class age nine or something and mm. all these girls who were just like so cruel um and horrible but like when religion class roll around to be like you know why do you pray and they're like to help the poor people of the world right. and it's like they knew that this is what you have to say to get approval it's so human yeah so human to do that and it I, doesn't really translate into anything. it's so funny because like you know there was no in my secondary school there was no kind of they made these like vague you know gestures towards mental health but the idea was mm. don't get too stressed out when you're doing your exams was it there was no like if you're feeling bad or this that and the other and yeah. it all felt incredibly empty also like there was just a vague like don't bully because it's bad but i remember you know so the stand-in for that would be religion obviously as mm-hmm. in like there's a morality compass they knew what they were supposed to do and then they just kind of didn't do it you know yeah because i guess uh, not to get too into it but like i guess when you can let's say you know a lot of kids in my school be having like premarital sex oh my god or like you know exposed mm. to these like you know uh, like same-sex relationships and stuff like this where they would kind of suddenly realize that you know oh you don't have to follow the thing exactly do you know what i mean so then you kind of end up picking and choosing unless you're in front of an authority figure but i remember that we were walking past the chapel and this guy like happy slapped somebody which is like a thing at the time where it's like you know you film yeah. somebody and they slap yeah. so he slapped him really hard across the back of the head but then he just in like two seconds later walked right past the chapel door and gave himself like a cross and walked on do you know what i mean it's like you know you're going doing the gestures and you're going through the motions and you you know but i remember thinking like you know it's quite a split self really i was thinking about something there recently this is completely irrelevant i'm just steamrolling but whatever i'll keep going i'll finish it just because it's a good story but uh this dude um they went down to some like career guidance thing mm-hmm. the career guidance council like brought them down to limerick huh? to um see um this college and he's just like just um you know i don't know what the i guess you know kind of class clowny he was just like making fun of the teachers and like everybody's mm-hmm. like cheering him on like yeah and he's just like fuck you mr regan you know and uh, everyone's laughing it's like 
get back, get down from there. What are you doing? You know, like, yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, like type person I would be at that age, like rolling my eyes, like, oh, how tedious. You know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, same. But yep. then like he, my, I wasn't on this trip now, but my friend was like, the way he relayed it to me as well was so funny because it was such a secondary school way to relay it. Where he's like, yeah, and I was sitting, I'm calling him, um, I don't know, Johnny Apple. I don't know, let's call him John Apple, okay? Yeah. He was like, yeah, I was on the bus and like sitting in front of John Apple and he was just like, just had his head in his hands and this girl had like his her hand on his shoulders, all right? And he was just like shaking apparently and the bus ride back and he was just going, everybody hates me, nobody likes me, I'm a fucking idiot. And she's like, that's not true. People like you, you know? Yeah. And he was like, I just was blown away you know because I mean? this, this is guy, the person who was like this is the same like boisterous guy and i was suddenly and he was like a real bully he would like throw shit at people and be laughing and kind of just this yeah awful kind of you know just you know like jock kind of personality yeah and uh i was just really taken aback yeah and uh like it turned out obviously he had like a, a bipolar disorder yeah. you know so an attention deficit disorder as well so like he was incredibly accomplished in certain subjects like maths and english but he just was like mile a minute couldn't keep keep yeah. himself kind of contained that's and, so difficult yeah. in our school system exactly to and it was like so that. sad and it, it's yeah. it's it really kind of turned a corner for me because i used to be so dismissive of like you know oh like there's just me and then there's assholes and then <laughs> that's it you know but like, it's a very comforting yeah. way to live. Recently in the news, like yeah. when it, and it's been trending, if you're on the Twitter like I am, but a um, local illustrator and amazing comedian, um, Aoife Dooley. Do you know Aoife Dooley? I love Aoife Dooley. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen what happened to her this week? I fucking did. Yeah. Can For I those, curse on this? Yeah. Okay. Cool. For those of you not in the know, um, Aoife Dooley, I can't name some things offhand. She's got a book out at the moment. I think it's called One, Two, Three Ireland. It's a children's book about yeah. Ireland. And she also does your one Nikita, with which there is animated shorts on the RT player. But um, Aoife Dooley wrote an article that was featured in the Junior Cert paper. And uh, what ended up happening was, I don't know, she made some comment about meanies. as kind of like glib joke, basically. Yeah. It wasn't I'll even like, it was just kind of like seasoning. As in like, I know what meanies are and I use the word pox, which they replaced with some other they word. They replaced you know? it with idiot. And yeah. actually, and she highlighted that as something she thought maybe changed the tone. Kind of like idiots yeah. you share the bus with is so different from the poxes. Poxes is yeah. such a more casual. And it's a more colloquial term mm, as well. So yeah. you know that there is a kind of josh joshing or jokery or whatever yeah, it, yeah idiots but is yeah. a bit more condescending but yeah but she's go on. inundated with um fucking messages from junior cert people like and she, first she posted one and it was just kind of like oh look at this this is guy sent me and it was literally like meanies are great your wagon or whatever you know yeah and it was just a kind of you would argue kind of good natured or something like that it's not good natured but like you know maybe there wasn't negative intent behind it but then it started to just denounce into just to go retreat into death threats and all this type of stuff and it's kind of she got dick pics and, and stuff dick pics from children from fucking so junior sir yeah and it's like i again going That's back to that kind of like i know that like it's a lot has been made of the idea of like people being able to say stuff from behind the keyboard but i think that we're also forgetting that people are growing up in this environment so they're not having that type of react interaction I never forget you know? that it terrifies yeah. me every yeah. day Garrett the idea of just like yeah like again they're putting so much faith in these massive technological advances quote unquote that are only for the benefit of you know 
monetizing every interaction you have and then it becomes this thing of like well i paid so i can say or i'm you know like, it's not that you paid but it's that you're on the platform and kind of you know another thing that we don't talk about as well so let's link this into i think something we were going to talk about which is yeah. when um people let's say people post their drawings online but then they don't post drawings for a while and then they say sorry guys sorry i've been so busy sorry i've done this yeah it's, and it's this, yeah. yeah it's this kind of eagerness of like you're, it's not, you're, there's no money out of it, but you're commodifying the time you spent on drawing you're, and the stuff that you show to yeah. people. And the on top of that as well, it's it's like, the other thing I, I'd like to mention, I think I mentioned it before, is that these companies like Facebook and Instagram, etc., okay, exist because of the content that we put into them. Do you know what I mean? So you're not yeah. getting any money out of it, but then like if you stop, if every single artist stopped posting their drawings tomorrow, then some of these like vast chunks of these websites would kind of cease to Your exist. Twitter you know? feed is, is essentially almost like a magazine of events. Yeah, it's exactly. User generated, you're a user as an artist. It's just a sort of feeling of like, isn't it great that this platform, you know, I can put my art on there and mm. lots of people would interact with it. And in certain industries, especially comics, yeah. people get work and it's very, very normal for that to be like how you get work. Um, but you are making money for Twitter and Facebook. Exactly. You are putting content on there that will draw users that want to like follow people like you who are like you're making the content. Yeah. You're a content creator. What mm. a wonderful term. And yeah, the kind of it really bums me out because there's this sort of like I have to feed the algorithm because yeah. it will like you more if you're a frequent poster. Yeah. Not if you're too frequent, though, like you yeah. have to. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a level of productivity that is kind of unprecedented and mm. th there seems to be a personality where they'll feel very pressured and beholden to an audience yeah people following them and it's like someone is passively enjoying your work mm. you know like you have done them a favor by posting it and to like feel like you've let people down i know and you do see sometimes and it just blows my mind like people who do get annoyed by like this youtuber didn't upload on the day exactly. i thought they would and yeah. it's like would you ever get a grip mm. like it's and the youtubers themselves like it's going away from artists but it seems like the youtube community is uh your man peter coffin i was watching his video and he called it uber video uber and i really liked that that was a very video good answer uber that yeah. is good mm -hmm. um i guess you know professions like illustration have always been quite fragmented like mm. it's never been like but television production is not like that um, so it's not really like a new thing to be like an individual worker putting your stuff out there, but like, I yes, that, that level of work being put in for a multinational company and then mm. to feel guilt about not being such a good employee, they yeah. should be writing you a check. And also, it's the, I, you know, as we we're saying as well, I was just thinking like that probably is what vindicates people when they feel like laying so much criticism on it is because mm. for this company, you know, you can see the likes and the shares and you're like, this person is being seen by this many people. And you know that they're like famous and it's like fame is now no longer translates to being monetarily famous do yeah. you know what i mean as in like there's there's plenty i was talking about this earlier today with my lady about like uh comedians yeah i was like i was saying like uh, basically i'm just not i listened to a podcast years and years ago with dylan moran where he talked about living in dublin and he was like and i knew that if i got a real job i would literally die I, he was saying like, I was like, I, I would go in for the interview. This is on Mark Maron's podcast, but he was, I would go in for the interview and I would, they'd know I didn't want it and they wouldn't give me, I was like, please, can I have the job? And I was like, 
I was like, that, that felt like so much, that still feels like so much my personality where it's like, I get the job, even in animation or something, and I'll just be like, I don't fucking want to be here. I hate this. I just want to sit at home, do my own drawings and watch The Shield or something stupid, you know? And um, it's funny how like that, because of technology, that has been completely evaporated and disintegrated. You oh, you cannot have to have, pretend like, to love yeah. working. It's like, yeah, I mean, I... I've had many a conversation about this where there is a level if you work in something like animation it's like and most people have had jobs worse mm. and you're kind of like well I'm not stuck doing that anymore yeah um, I feel like I don't want to denigrate other work but yeah. like you know I think very few people enjoy working in Tesco like yeah like be real I guess they have a union that's good it's something we don't have yeah. but um, yeah you are kind of like oh I'm not working X or Y shit job that I did in the past so yeah. I should be grateful um that can lead to a lot of bad things in terms of like cultures that are created and things that people will maybe put up with and exactly that totally happened with me i was working in this fucking like you know they're you know they're they're all right now so i won't mention the the company's name but uh one of the things that they did is there's like this there's this group that are basically um without naming them uh hopefully people will, will be able to pick up but they're essentially like this big group of American kind of Christian business type people, okay? And they get these like, you know, um, I don't know if they're Christian actually, that's for, but anyway. Probably. Probably. <laughs> but they they make these like educational videos and they don't give a shit. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. And uh, <laughs> so every so often a studio who's running behind in Dublin will make a deal with the devil, for want of a better word. And they will, like, so in this studio that I was in, they shoved, uh, the, the, the job interview consisted of me showing up and them saying, uh, uh, do you have a laptop? And I was like, yes. And do you have Flash on that laptop? And I was like, yes. Oh my God. And they were like, would you be able to sit in this room and uh, do Flash on your laptop? And I was like, okay. So they uh, turned this break room uh, so into like 10 people shoved into like one of the hottest summers and you're oh. just having this flapping mouth of uh, a dog moving. I like, am just assuming something really bad happened with her finances to do that oh, yeah. because that sounds, that sound. I I'm just kind of like one half of me is like dear God for like the people yeah. in the room, and I just imagining the person. Like, oh yeah, totally. You, having the embarrassment of having to be like, do you, yeah. have, do you have your own laptop? Yeah, yeah. No, they. It was. It was. I mean, it was. I think they've turned a corner, but like yeah. at that time it was like everybody was like this. I think the one thing that really helped is when Boulder got acquired by Hasbro and people are like, a lot of studios went, okay, that's game over. So they were like, they've won the, the, the just kind of space race type thing of getting to be the biggest thing ever, you know? Yeah. Um, so a lot of studios I we've went to were, when they were, when I was interviewed, they would be like, oh, we're trying to do something smaller, more intimate. And I was like, that's a better approach because this kind of race to the bottom of trying to be as big and lucrative and massive as possible. More intimate like, just makes me think of like everyone's desks shoved together yeah, in a yeah. tiny room though. Like I definitely, I worked on just horrific like rooms. You shouldn't have that many people in situations. Yeah, um, totally. My worst one of that was working on, I'm not going to name because again, lovely people and it was yeah. a framework. So like, you know, God help yeah. them. They did not have enough money to be yeah. having a bigger room, but it was just like, the, one of the top floors of like a Georgian building and like yeah. everyone crammed in. It was the only place I've done a 14 hour day. Yeah. Like, yeah. and 
yeah actually when I, when I say that I'm just like and also I had to like go home sleep for six hours and then like come back in yeah, I mean, so it was right. just yeah crazy when you come well, like I think the thing that I, I couldn't do so excited to be there though couldn't do like yeah that was it sorry I was in this place and just sweating my fucking you know self to bit <laughs> and um the um I remember going to Tesco and just feeling and I was getting paid like shit like absolute dirt and it was short-term employment and you know like I was going to can, can we ask what that pay was can we talk about uh, that? fuck it yeah it was yeah. 300 a week okay oh, fuck. or like but I had no idea because I was fresh out of college and I was like Jesus you know skirt. yeah I was like this is amazing I was never paid that little yeah no I was paid less I've been paid less I've been paid it's shocking uh 250 euro a week uh, but that was for when I say sh- more it was longer term in that it lasted like seven or eight months it was like an intern position but it's okay. it, like a lot of times people don't um, people don't pay the intern position I know that a certain um, company not naming names uh, had a, a lot of kind of like well why don't you come in and we'll see how you are and we will provide you with blank training or whatever and then you know, so a lot of these people ended up getting jobs, but there was a lot of debate at the at the start of like, should I commit to something when they've openly said that they're not going to pay me for four or five months, you know? And four or five months? Yeah. And so it like really reduces down to just the middle class people who can afford to live in Dublin. Well, sorry, no, the rich people who can afford to live in Dublin or the people who already live in Dublin, you know? People with family, yeah. you know, that can accommodate them to still exactly. living in their house in, in Dublin. Yeah, just a little a little point uh, to make just as information for people because when I found out this I was like, that's interesting to me. Uh, so, God, I'm going to say the wrong name. Section Oh, the tax break for animation, the three three digit series of numbers that yeah, I can't remember, yeah. 481 or something like that. Um, anyway, uh, part of that is that you must take on kind of an intern and depending on the length of your production, that's the, the kind of length of time you take on an intern for. Generally, you have like two or three of them. And you have to factor in as part of that tax relief that you're going to use part of that money to train someone up new. So you, like you get, just like you get the money to pay that intern. Yeah. So for me, when I found that out, I was kind of like, that makes it so much less justifiable yeah. to have these unpaid people. And because there is a, a scheme, a state scheme in place, which is pretty great. Yeah. Like this is like, public support for like training people up as it should be and uh yeah i think the thing you're talking about as well is kind of um you know we're we're refusing to like incorporate any money at all to train someone for a few weeks and uh, they can do it on their own dime and like as a cost saving for the business but like yeah i mean in a, a larger scale and if you're a very large business like you're you're creating a huge effect like you're you're like a gravitational effect on people in terms of like working class people that aren't from Dublin are just you know yeah. what are they going to do like move back home and have to like get a bus up for interviews and stuff yeah. it's it's but pretty it, grim I mean they're spreading the wealth now as well with LSAD down, which is a great college I'm just saying that the, a lot of people have recognised that there are graduates coming out of like Clonmel and they're like cool yeah. we'll just set up a studio down there and they just get the you know the, the people a lot of people from there's a, there's a studio in Dublin which like um, you know, insider stories, not mentioning my sources, but um, and I'm mentioning name of this particular studio, but um, <clears throat> or maybe I will, I don't know. Uh, but I <laughs> animation gossip. Podcast. Maybe I'll just allude to um, 
if I provide enough breadcrumbs, people will draw their own conclusions. Um, or should I not at all? I can cut this bit out. I would say, I would say, be vague. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, essentially, what happened is this studio in Dublin uh, basically fired their in, entire um, art department and replaced it with uh, one unpaid intern from college, uh, straight from college, who like just was not equipped to handle those roles. An animation studio. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but I've heard that they have. Uh, put their tendrils in down in Limerick and are kind of scooping people up as well down there. I feel there. like I've heard about a studio in Limerick that was set up and it's a bit of a conveyor belt of mm-hmm. low-paid interns exactly. who then get fired when they get to the point where they need to... 100%. You know, shout out to yeah. to Cavalier for promoting people on productions. Yeah. Uh, that's something that always like, impressed me there. Like I benefited from that myself, like getting promoted up and like if people start as juniors they will actually yeah get promoted to mid-level and it's not just to jam's credit as well they yeah. do that too i was quite impressed because i was it's in good. there and like i just kind of was like very anti-studio in general mm. because it started off i wasn't hired by them so i was nece- i was anti-studio <laughs> but now then it became kind of the more i heard about practices leaking out i was like oh i don't like this and i don't mm. like and i worked in some studios and i just remember this feeling of like i hate this I hate going in, like, I, I remember just walking to this place that I work, which is really nice. And it was really nice people. Everything about it was like, you know, ideally, I think what people would want from a job. I don't know, because I soon realized that I did not want this life, you mm-hmm. know. And I was like walking this path every day. And I was like, I'm like a fucking yo-yo. Oh, my God. Like, I'm wasting my life walking in and out of the same path, you know. Yeah. And it was so miserable. And But anyway, um, yeah, what was the point? What was I getting out there? Oh, yeah. So I was just anti-studio in general and kind of dismissive. And, and a lot of times, like you say, you know, people get kind of hobbled at this one position because, you know, whatever reason, they don't want to move people up. But jam to uh, I have seen that they like people who are only in the door like a year. Mm. All of a sudden they're like developing and pitching their projects with them. And I was like, unheard of in Irish animation. It's very cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, which it's... is like really cool. You know? <laughs> like really fostering a talent i guess the thing with the thing with large studios is sorry about the siren everybody yeah that's drowning me out i had to turn up the gain on certain on mics so i'm I'm aware that the siren will be extra loud this time oh okay but i live at the junction right next to the matter so that's why there's so many sirens in case anybody oh, was wondering that does explain that um, uh, but yeah sorry I go on i didn't mean to cut just totally forgot what i was gonna say oh shit we were talking this about jam and uh, projects for you know people who were like only a year out or you know now it's gone this is this is my, sorry. my uh, famously terrible short-term memory oh i guess i was just gonna say a uh, large like that thing about like oh, i hate real jobs yeah and yeah. it is that um oh it's kind of i think the tension that every single creative person has where like they do want to just be making their own stuff i think mm. like very few people want to go in but at the same time financial stability is so hard to come by in animation See, i don't know i think the numbers are actually more skewed the for the the you know, no offense to anybody at worker bees you know yeah. there's like there there is a lot of people who are like i have a, i had a friend uh, in college um and she was well, shout her out shout out katie o'mara <laughs> uh, you might know she was in cavalier for a bit actually Okay. But um, she um, she was like, I could literally sit here and draw smoke all day, you know, <laughs> like that would be happy doing that, animating yeah. like effects and stuff. And I just remember being like, I that would that's my idea of abs- like 
me and me and my friend Mark, who was also on the show before, we were like, mm. oh, we'll go there and like we'll be like, you know, people are just going to be so eager to make films and want to do stuff. And it's like, there's actually people who just want to animate or get like the good scenes or get this, that, and the other. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I, that's I, how you that's how you make a big project happen is by having those people yeah. and like they're, they're no, they're totally great. essential. Like I really relate to that in some ways as well. Like, um, just kind of. I'm gonna apologize for the worker bee comment. That was not good. Bees not nice. are a magnificent creature. <laughs> we and need more workers, of them. You know. <laughs> shout out all power to the Soviets. Now they say that. Yeah, there's like that's a twofer. <laughs> it's a combo of two great things: bees and workers. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, again, I totally I interrupted myself and. No, I interrupted you and I made you forget. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I feel like we need to get on to talking about burnout I'm oh yeah like well here's two things i've written down which okay. is um ask rachel about herself how did you get involved in animation and what are your experience in experiences in animation okay well um i went to idt 2006 to 2010 okay um and then i was kind of the year the year below me is the year that a uh, boulder kind of started coming in and interviewing hmm. so i just kind of missed out on that and uh in college i was very like sucked at animating like really hard like mm. i i was not expecting that so it was a good lesson in being really crap at something you try very hard at yeah um which i think is actually very valuable just knowing people that um you know go through school um i was really academically gifted in school yeah. so i was way too used to like it being easy so it was very good for me to kind of be challenged i guess um yeah so i came out and i found it really hard to get a job um my portfolio was I just think about it now, just even from being in positions of trying to hire crew and like looking at portfolios and thinking mm. about what like mine looked like. And it was so just like, I like to draw weird things. Here you go. Like, surely you'll like, you yeah, could yeah. hold yourself back. And it was kind of like, oh, you can see I can draw. So of course I could draw anything, um, which is uh, you, you, you have to kind of show, you have to show the things that you can draw, Rachel. Um, it's an industry discipline as well which for like mm -hmm. portfolio purposes which is also something i don't like you know? no i was a real or like i was very much like i'm an artist yeah. um which doesn't gel with then getting steady employment in no a way. studio which is kind of like you come out of college and you're like oh no <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear um <laughs> the real world because uh, i kind of basically my ambitions uh, when i was younger was like i want to be an art student and then I like thought animation was cool and yeah. uh, combined, you know, storytelling. That's what and, I uh, thought. Yeah. They lied. <laughs> and I was, but like, so my ambitions kind of ended at graduation. I was like, oh no, what now? Um, so yeah, I got a few small jobs kind of working. I think my very first like industry job was working in Connor Finnegan's brother, Lorcan. Oh yeah, um, his big, production big company now, huh? on the rise. Absolutely, yeah. God, it's great. Um, Made a film with Jesse Eisenberg there recently. Wow. Yeah. Did you not know that? No, I didn't. <laughs> I just follow his like Dublin photography Instagram. So it was like him, Connor, and Evan McNamara um, in the city centre, and it was like I think I ended up doing two like short jobs, just like ads, and I was like, yeah. I actually did a hand drawn boil, which is something Steve Woods said you'll definitely need to do this. So I was kind of delighted that it did come up. Mm. And then just in betweening, um, yeah. So and then I couldn't. I think I worked on like a frameworks, like I said. Um, and then I ended up. I ended up on a jobs bridge. I'm trying to like. Oh, oh I worked in like Windmill Lane, 
really briefly like so it was a lot of this like very short contracts doing like oh crap we need to get this finished like hire people quickly and like doing kind of i was tracing out steam on this like titanic blood and steel i think it was called Mm. and they had like done the green screen um incorrectly i don't know if that's a bad thing to say or not anyway there was Mm. a problem with the green screen they'd shot that had to be all corrected in post so i was one of those you know and there was like lovely like vfx people were like you know, kind of giving me advice on how to like rise up in VFX. And I was just like, I only like this because I can listen to podcasts yeah, and switch yeah. my brain off. Like I actually, that was a point where I was like, I really enjoy just being able to listen to a book in work. Yeah. Um, That was great. And then I ended up on a, yeah, a jobs bridge, except it wasn't, it was like a false job placement. So I didn't get to 50 quid extra. Um, And I was working in Igloo with Trevor Courtney um with him and that was like nice like Mm. it was politically i'm very much opposed to those schemes that was a time in dublin when i could still afford to pay my rent in town on the dole so i was really broke i also i don't know persistently really had no plans for the future i'm very much like oh if i get through this week uh i'm happy so wasn't really thinking very far ahead so i was pretty happy doing that um, I'm not sure if this is too much of a forensic and boring and no. death dive as I go. Um, so that was good because it kind of gave me a portfolio of stuff not in my style and kind of like working to somebody else's style. We were making yeah. like little, he had, he came up with this like really good for someone making a small studio, like this formula of explainer videos for like, so, you know, the ESB wanted to explain some concept to their workers and yeah. like you'd make it and he'd kind of made a library of characters that you could swap out. So it was as fast as possible and stuff. So it was really basic, really basic like animation that even I could do, but also like designing little icons and um, things like that, which I really liked doing. Um, and then after that, I worked on a HMH project in Cavalier. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, um, called Texas Maths. Um, and it was like a, like a scene prep kind of job. And then I was doing sort of organizing stuff, like interpreting scripts for anyone that's worked on a HMH project. They know mm. that's a massive part of it. So you, got, you can often get... A lot of overwhelming information that's out that can be quite difficult to interpret so doing more admin stuff in that job and i really liked it and i got um they got the title of art director for like the last month of that project which i like put on my cv but i wasn't really art directing yeah. i was more just like managing like two other people and like being like okay we got to do this this and this today that was also quite cool um and i was super happy while i was in that job and like i was living in town i was a 10 minute walk from work I think that was like one of the first times in my life that I think my mental health had like really improved to the point yeah. where I was like, I feel all right, you know, most of the time. Cause I'd had a, I'd had like horrific depression and anxiety the whole way through college. Um, and that was like quite challenging. But, uh, so I was like, Oh, like this yeah. is great. A bit of stability. And then I thought, you know, I have art director on my CV now, mm. like again, like quite naive, like anyone looking at it as like really art director for a month, like yeah, that's yeah. not really experience or, you know, so I really did not have my head screwed on for a very long time. Um, but yeah, I, then I was unemployed after that for quite a while. I was um, like applying to a lot of jobs, like studio jobs thinking, well, you know, I really enjoyed that. But there was, that was a bit of a, like a magic combination of, it was quite a low pressure job. You know, we were a really small team yeah and uh i was working with people i really liked um yeah and then i got offered a job in the uk as a background artist on a preschool show and i was kind of like i'd been 
really bummed out and stuff like not being able to find work and feeling really directionless i think like most people are unemployed for a long time yeah, like yeah, totally. really start to feel like it's like the battle of being like don't allow like not getting a job to dictate your worth you mm. know what i mean like but uh it was difficult so i moved Especially when like the stuff that you do is so tied up with you know yeah it's kind of like that job I moved over for was the very last time that was kind of when I was like I don't want to do art as a job really at all um because I kind of thought I love making art it's kind of like I need to do it and if I don't do it I feel bad like it's very like a need I have to make it um so that's why I did it in college and it's do you know I'm really glad I did animation because I really like the people in animation they're great Um, and it's, it is like a cool industry to work in. Like, I like animated films, um, you know. But uh, yeah, I went to a studio called McKinnon and Saunders. Um, and I was there, it was like maybe about a year, a little less than a year, um, to work on one season of this show. They just set up their 2D digital thing. They're a really well-known like stop-motion studio. They did Fantastic Mr. Fox, and they did like oh uh, Mars Attacks, and they did like, oh, that really good... Rasta Lion uh, children's stop motion. I don't know if you've oh, seen no, it. Isn't it Rasta Mouse? Rasta Mouse. Sorry. Yeah. There's a lion character. But um, So the coolest thing about that was the owner was really passionate and like mm. really nice guy. And uh, I had like started way after everyone because they'd needed, I don't know if someone had left. I kind of forget. Oh, yes. I think someone had like a really personal thing had happened and they had to leave the job. So that's why I got hired onto the crew. Um, and he like gave me a tour of like all of their like the stop motion stuff. Like, yeah the huge like warehouse of stop motion sets and the kind of the coolest thing was they had like a huge uh, physical studio of people doing um like concept work but like sculpting so there was like two full-time sculptors just mm. doing yeah like working out mock-ups of designs and like that and then i kind of walked into the room where there was just like the, the model makers worked so there was all of these like benches and like just model making kits for like making rigs i think at the time they were doing um what's that show about the pink things on the moon that make this uh, clangers oh yeah they were like close enough like they're pretty soon i just really got it wrong (laughs) moonins um yeah so there was like four women like knitting the the pink stuff to put on the clangers and like that's been released now so i can talk about it but at the time it was like you can't i think there was a guillermo del taro thing and they were like we're we're 3d printing the heads for like the different mouth shapes so Pinocchio. yeah so like and the sculptors weren't very happy about them being like well maybe we'll use 3d printing so that was like interesting because i remember being like that's so cool and then yeah, like yeah. The, the model makers were like no it isn't <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah. Th- these damn robots i mean they are right because like you know i, I was i'm always talking about with the leica guys but they always need to put it in the trailers from the hands that made it's like because you wouldn't know otherwise there's something about that yeah when stop motion is so perfect that you yeah. can't tell us i think it almost loses something oh, you know i think it's terrible i mean like yeah. i watched in the closing credits of kubo and the two strings they show them using that giant model of the skeleton yeah just because they're like look look what we did look what we did and it was like yeah. stop trying to do this like because it's such a, a a dick measuring thing because it's literally like we were able to get this made and look at how we did it and it was like well you could have easily done it in cgi because i do not i could not tell the difference do you know what i mean i mean like, i do find that really impressive like just like that's handmade but it's yeah. like there's something about the nightmare before christmas is like has a one percent jankiness to it yeah exactly that i think i when i watched that film before i did animation and had like attempted to do stop motion mm. you know in college i was like 
whatever. And then I watched it again and I was like, yeah. my mind was absolutely blown. So there is like that level where technical achievement is impressive. But if you, you know, like when clowns walk on a slack line and they yeah. kind of go, ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to fall off. And then they walk straight. And that's what makes you appreciate that they can do it. Because yeah. otherwise you're like, well, of course they can. That looks easy. Yeah. You know, it's I think like, it, if I was to put it down to like some sort of visual thing, I mm. think that like, um, See, I don't know. Because I'm trying to think of like Wallace and Gromit because obviously they're incredibly cartoony characters and they look amazing and you mm. can see... You can see thumbprints. That was it. I think yeah. Stephen Dignan told me that they, for Flushed Away, they actually put... They created a, a fingerprint filter or something to dra- overlay to put over the models. Because, That's delightful. Yeah. That's actually such a good solution. Like, because if you're not making them from something... Like, yeah. they, maybe they made it from silicon or something then. They weren't using clay anymore yeah. and you still want to get that effect because like... It is like those things about handcrafted stuff, those yeah. effects well, are so important. CGI. So what? Like, it? Okay. Yeah. So that was the reason they, they were like trying to, because it looked too smooth, you know? Is this like the rat movie that they the made? The one where he's like. Yeah. When you said it, I was like, oh, Wallace and Gromit's short name. Okay, cool. No, no. Now um, I understand. I've caught up. But then there was, you know, with Kubo, didn't like it. It was too, it's just too polished. Paranorman almost kind of had a little jauntiness and I like the idea of a horror film for children. McKinnon you know? and Saunders did Paranorman oh, stuff did they? as well. Yeah. Well, like mm-hmm. I think they maybe they just made the rigs and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if they animated on it. Oh, that's, um, so yeah, really yeah. cool Sorry. Stuff. No, I'm sorry. I just remember what I was the idea of like, you know mm-hmm. when you see like I was thinking about the little train in Wallace and Gromit, you know, in mm-hmm. Rom trousers and how it like it feels miniature when you're looking at it. But it's like those macro photos where it's like it feels miniature, but it's massive, yeah. you know, because of the way the light is like landing on it. Yeah. Whereas like when you, in Kubo and the Two Strings, they, everything was accounted for. We have the light. We want to create a world that's like lived in and breathing and all this yeah. type of stuff. But it's all like printed out of a computer or this, that and the other. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me being like a real pedant, you know, where people are like, I can tell the difference of vinyl and, and MP, whatever. I mean, you can. But I'm just saying that like the ones in people, there are people who believe that like, ones and zeros it's just unconsciously or whatever you know the computer part of it Mm. the machine part is like your brain will always be able to tell you know also there's a i I think even with machine stuff and like i will go back to like describing my animation journey but kind of when you see like one of my favorite things is when you see 3d like computer animation done on twos and things like that Mm. where they've like removed some of the smoothness and there is like the smoothness is like perfect with live action where you're filming something that is totally smooth but like if it's just an animated world like there is a a huge charm to like noticing like a human touch on something and not having that machine perfection because like i love like low poly models and stuff like they're such a cute aesthetic and Mm. like you can achieve such beautiful like quite crafty feeling stuff it's not even like made in a computer versus handmade there's kind of like not extreme perfection you know it's all like you know in video games when they're like it's the most realistic game ever and you're just like eh, okay like i mean really impressive like not to denigrate because you know it's easy to kind of say like whatever you know um it's it's an amazing achievement but is it Mm. is it the thing to strive for who knows anyway i worked in that for nine months and i uh yeah i was like with my general mental health crap had always been kind of difficult moving away from everyone i knew right um and like i was very proactive when i got there i was like i was like i need to find lesbians to talk to Hmm. um so like yeah i ended up meeting like my current 
partner like via being like i need i need mates yeah um and then she introduced me to all her friends who were like so lovely so i actually i had friends over there but um it was like a big change and i remember lorraine lorden she's really lovely she's like she's an animation director i think she was in cartoon saloon for a while and okay. now and like has directed her own stuff she was there and i remember talking to her you know um she was in mckinnon and saunders she was one of the animators and she was very nomadic and kind of talking about like living in all these different countries and like i just remember like you know you meet these people who do this and she just it was like god you're so like there's something in you that is like she she carries this i guess internal stability or something like quite admirable or admirable or beautiful about that where she can just like land in a situation and like find a lot of happiness from that job and then be like now i'm gonna move on I was just like, oh man, like what a terrible mistake. Cause it was that yeah. like, I'm going to travel. I'm going to go and like, you know, maybe I'll like make it <laughs> whatever yeah, that I know, means. And I know. I had that also. I, for a long time I had this very aspirational thing. I was like, I really wanted to go to London. And mm. one of my things that I always do, like the reason Hackfest was, I mean, it wasn't really the reason why it was started, but I like to set myself deadlines and the best incentive that mm. I can think is if I do it self-imposed deadlines, they don't work. Whereas if I reveal to everybody, ha. I'm going to have this done by this point, you know, then it puts the pressure on me to feel Public like... Public embarrassment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I, I told a lot of people that I was going to move to London. And every time, you know, if I haven't seen somebody in about four years or something... Uh, somebody goes so what about london did you get to london i like, just feel this embarrassment of like no but um but the the thing about it was in recent years i've kind of i'm not sure whether i think when i was a teenager i felt this trap was like i don't want to become the person who goes to dublin and then convinces themselves that they want to stay there and that's why they they didn't want to move you know yeah. and, but then the more brexit is kicked off and the more all this stuff happens i was like well i actually don't want to go to a big massive heartless cold city where everybody hates you you know what i mean Mm. and the more i've kind of like like because i i think there was a point where if i had gone there i would have been able to step on the trolley and it'll keep going but now i was like i do not know if i want to work that hard to get to a place where i'm you know like i just feel like it's a lot of effort to go to for a place that you you might not actually be thankful you move there in the end i think understanding like what in life you find enriching yeah and like happy is very important and i think you can get your head turned a lot by other people's ideas exactly especially when you're young yeah yeah and king like that's what success looks like and often a picture of success is painted for you like like by propaganda in in terms of media and you reach a level where you don't really yeah like focusing like i think a lot on like job success yeah and kind of like what that looks like and having a passion for what you do is great i'm a bit like i i have always been a bit like don't put 100 percent of yourself into your work because yeah totally you know like you can it's a company you're doing stuff for the company and yeah. like it's it's great to, to take pride in what you do and like that's what keeps you happy in the job but if your whole identity is wrapped up in work exactly. and like being successful in it, it'll just destroy you. Like they that really rely job on will that. end. And, yeah. and um, it's kind of hollow at the end of the day. Like you're yeah. going to have to retire eventually or something could happen and you wouldn't yeah. be able to do that job. I don't know. For me, it's always been more like I want to have a stable life. Yeah, exactly. Um, of which work is an element yeah. if possible, you know, um, and kind of... 
the thing that like Stephen it was it was told through to me by Aoife Balfe which mm. uh, <laughs> I was like having a rough time and uh, Stephen apparently said one time I don't know if you, you remember Stephen saying Dignan? Stephen Dignan, yeah but he said that he had like um, I don't know if this is a personal thing where they should be revealing it but it, it, it helped me so I feel like I should say it in case it helps anybody else but they were like remember a time where you felt good you mm. know and he tries to remember those days so when he has a day that's really bad he knows that it's possible to feel yeah. good again so that was like one of the things where it was a real eye-opener for me because yeah. there was a point where i realized that I, I i don't remember having felt happy again <laughs> it was like i was like oh um yeah. i think i i hit a like because we were you know let's let's talk about uh burnout then because i have like yeah. a personal story with burnout yeah um i used to um do stand-up for a little bit and that was like one of my routines was me talking about burning out you know but um which is kind of cathartic to go up there and say it and kind of laugh about it with people but um because that was what i got out of stand-up when i was watching it even like just for laughs where they're talking about my wife huh? you'd be like yeah you'd be like they'd say something every now and again and you would just be waiting around for them to kind of say that because I feel that I need you to say that. You know? Alison's Spittle, like I went yeah, to Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was amazing, so, yeah, just to laugh at that darkness. Exactly. But in now podcasts have thankfully filled that void <laughs> where you kind of have yeah. like, you know, you watch those just for laughs things now and you're like, oh God. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, what ended up happening was I was working for this company and they were like, as in an intern position, and they were like, can you work from home, you know? Okay. So I worked from home and I lived out in Kimmage. And uh, it was just like... Quite isolating. Very isolated, quite yeah. hard to socialize, didn't make any connections. It was given kind of like the the very grunt worky type stuff. It would be yeah. like one day you'd be doing compositing, the next day you'd be doing prop design, this time you'd draw over some things. One time she made me go and... A producer made me go and collect shirts from a previous office, you know what I mean? Like... Stuff like this, like, oh, I left a bag of clothes at the last office. Can you go get them, do you know? Okay. And I was given, like, kind of lectures at a certain point, like, we really need you to stay on top of this, you know, and get this finished and whatever. And uh, But I was, like I say, getting paid, like, at the time, enough to cover my rent, uh, but uh, 200 a week or thereabouts, you know? And um, so, but I remember one day, it was like, my it was a personal relationship, but um, it kind of fell apart. As in, I had like, you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how much to get into it to talk about this person. But basically, um, fuck it, I'll just go all hog. I was uh, really into this girl and we had like split up for a long time. Mm -hmm. But uh, she started seeing somebody else. And then I kind of had this like, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I don't care. That's fine. That's fine. And I just Aww. remember like sitting at the desk and having to do this uh, menial task of like, it was like a door opening and closing and I just yeah. had to animate that. So I was just watching this door oh, opening Jesus and closing Garth. in After Effects and it was on like a, at this 3D landscape. So I could just remember like staring off and you know when you have a 3D landscape in After Effects and like this black void and you're just looking into it and I just was like, I just remember like ringing up my mom and being like, I can't do, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't. And she was like, it's okay. You don't have to do that work. It's fine. You can take the day. And so I told them like, you know, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I can't I can't I can't work today and so then I was like yeah. looking up online and they were like they were like it was a, for some reason I was always googling being depressed but this was the first time that when I saw a forum post that was like 
maybe you should take some meds you know what i mean yeah and i was like huh and then I went to the doctor and then I was like, oh, I'm really depressed. And he was like, why'd you come in? And I was like, well, just because I didn't really know like what to do. And he was like, well, maybe you should take some meds. And so I like took some meds and it was very, you know, to go back to what uh, Stephen had said, it was like a stabilizing thing. It didn't make me feel good. It just made me remember what being good felt like. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I remember just being sitting there and being enjoying a TV program or something like that. Yeah. And just being like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was really, like, very, a very good thing to to be aware of myself again. And I, I think we were talking about this before the podcast started. So it's something that was important to bring up now, which is, like, I started to remember things. Like, things that happened in secondary school and college. And uh, the thing about, like, being, like, hopelessly depressed is that... You become almost narcissistic where just like all you remember is your own pain or that in, in my case anyway all i remembered was like being sad and like oh i made such a fool of myself that time or this that and the other day i didn't remember things anymore like oh i remember going to the cinema with this mm. person and wasn't that funny when this person behind the counter did such and such or something like that you yeah. know like i'd forgotten things yeah. And there was like vast chunks of like secondary school that I just don't remember now, you know. Yeah. And um, and I was suddenly like very aware as well. Like there was so much time in in college where I would just be eating like oven chips and like chicken Kiev or something, and just like first of all, our apartment was very, our house was very cold, so I was just like lying there, and I managed to like compress my body enough without a blanket that <laughs> I was retaining enough heat. That I was, I, so I knew if I moved, that the, <laughs> the heat would yeah. escape. And there was like a show on, and it was like, I don't want to watch Peep Show again, but I don't want to move and turn off the menu because otherwise, like, so we were there just like watching Peep Show on repeat, like on a loop, and like falling asleep that way, and then waking up like freezing. But anyway, there was so many th- these things which I now identify as like, oh, that was me being like depressed. Yeah, that's but so I was, happy. I was convinced yeah. that. Oh, oh, stop being such a baby. Other people think like this as well, do you know? Um, and every time somebody told me, maybe you'd benefit from like talking to someone. I actually went to the counselor in IEDT. Oh, Jesus. It was a fucking joke, I want to be honest now. I, yeah. And like, she Go was on. like, write an essay, write up a, a diary about what happens on a day to day and like come back and see me later. And I was telling her all this like fucking dark shit. And yeah. uh, she just had no thoughts, no opinions, no feelings on it. One time I collapsed, I'm pretty sure now, from anxiety, okay? Yeah. And I went there and like, oh, I got strep throat. And they gave me antibiotics that was like, you know, um, fucking basically give me the runs for like a week and a half. Do you know what I mean? Because I just, I had some reaction to the penicillin, you know? But it was like, it was such an awful experience. Like they didn't understand it. But the other thing that happened, okay... I collapsed from the anxiety. I felt like this pain in my stomach and this fatigue yeah. where I couldn't move, okay? Yeah. And luckily, I was with uh, uh, a, a very kindly person, Maria Walsh and Leah Reddington, and I was in their house, and they were, like, bringing me tea and let me sleep on their couch and all this type of stuff, and I was like, this is yeah. great. Uh, and then I got up the next day, and I was like... Um, actually, that was I was just fatigued at that point, and then I collapsed in the kitchen on the morning of the submission, Okay. And then I went in, okay, and I was like trying to piece together the film and a certain uh, baldy lecturer who will remain nameless came over and uh, sat down. He's like, did you get it done? Did you get the work finished? And I was like, uh, I'm a bit sick. I'm just piecing stuff together now. And he's like, right, well, 
go to the doctor, but make sure you get this done first. And um, so I pieced the thing together, submitted it, and I went into the nurse's office, who, in, like, like I said, incorrectly diagnosed me with fucking strep throat. And then they said, why didn't you come to us this morning? And I was like, well, I had to get a submission in. And this person was like, your health is more important than any submission. And uh, that should have been like my first indication that some people do not upsetting. have your best interest. This is in very life. upsetting, like yeah. in terms of that frustrating culture that I exactly. really felt in college, which feels like a there is a level of that irresponsibility where you're turning out people who, when they become workers, will also continue to not take their health seriously and to push themselves for work. Yeah, and it's not admirable. It's kind of assuming everyone is really lazy. And they need you to say, you know, give yourself a kick up your hole and yeah. force yourself, you know, assuming everyone's lying around. Not to cut across, but just that, that counsellor in IDT, my God, yeah. Garth, the most useful thing she did for me. I came into her and she had no idea what to do. It was like a woman who is equipped to deal with exam stress and breakups, I think. And yeah. like she gave me a leaflet on panic attacks, which was actually great because I didn't never... Um, I guess like I'm from the past maybe yeah. by, by a few years related to you I didn't know what a panic attack was until I was like 22 and I'd been suffering them for yeah. like 10 years at that point so um, I just thought I had a heart condition Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like it was great so I didn't think I was going to die anymore but yeah she sucked she sucked yeah. so bad it was terrible it was like what a joke but um, I think it was when yeah. she, I found out she'd given the same advice to about three other people that I realized like this one's She's on so autopilot out, like, and she doesn't give yeah. a shit yeah she really doesn't and um, um, I don't know, the person might have changed, we don't know as well. So this is somebody we're talking about, you know, from years ago. Oh, absolutely. That <laughs> so, could be yeah. a different person. It was just kind of like that, that kind of, oh, just talk to somebody. And it's just kind of like, I fucking hate uh, that. psychology yeah. is completely unregulated in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and could, talking to somebody, like, it's just yeah. easier said than done with all this type of shit. But yeah. like, it's the same thing when people go, just talk to somebody. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? It's such an empty thing that doesn't take into yeah. account all of the things like the far-reaching implications of talking to this person in particular or like yeah. like for example i know people who are in small towns who like have these uh, first of all not a small towns don't have counseling services that are particularly good yeah and you have to travel very far for them but then on the other side of it as well you you have counselors who could even talk to people that you fucking know do you know what i mean and like a lot of this is I very like, thought of that. you know. yeah that's such a thing in rural ireland as yeah. well like everyone knows everyone's business exactly. and uh, i was from the periphery of a city so it wasn't even that bad yeah um can't even imagine um was that the end of your burnout tale sorry or did that go um further? well i got the I, I i started to feel i guess it was kind of i mean like i'm just trying to say like that was my experience where mm. i was like so happy to be working and in the city and then i didn't realize that so much of my life was wrapped up in this but also that like you know i think one thing we should probably comment on as well is the the online aspect of it the way that you're someone's beck and call constantly through a skype fucking situation mm -hmm. the way that you are you know removed and isolated from people that you can actually talk to and have a work experience with but then um the um um Low level anxiety. Hello, this is Gareth from the future. Um, I was just re-listening to this recording and we kind of trailed off because we've been talking for about an hour and about an hour beforehand as well. So it was fairly intense. Um, but yeah, basically my, my uh, thing I want to say is low level anxiety was a phrase that I heard 
and um, really struck a chord with me because that is something that happens quite a lot. And you think that you're not taking on that much work or this doesn't really matter. But actually, like, you know, when you're with your phone, with your technology, with the stuff that you choose to do and the way you choose to do it, uh, you can just be carrying around the worry and anxiety of being phoned, especially in freelance work. People can phone you crazy hours and it's very annoying so anyway yeah that's another thing is that that takes its toll on you is low level anxiety like this horrible drone in the background anyway back to the podcast all right go for it hey i'm uh returning to my thread um yeah. so yeah well i was in the uk and i sorry i'm taking some russell notes. russell i didn't mean to do that go on it's okay yeah. um how dare you i I finished up that contract and I had been very unwell. I had like relapsed to a point of unwellness I hadn't been in since second year of college, which was probably like my peak, uh, my peak craziness. Um, God, I don't know how I graduated sometimes when I, when I, the the bits I do remember are not good. Um, Yeah. So I ended up like really, really sick um, for like a year and a half or two years. I think it was, I ended up on, uh disability over there which is like kind of the uk is like a horrific machine to grind disabled people into dust but also Mm. i was uh, never able to access disability support for mental health over here i think i once mentioned it to someone like oh i I think a bit of a problem where like i'm afraid to leave my house all the time she was just like ah you never want to get on that disability or you'll never get off and i was like okay um but like you know she she could have been right and to be honest they would not have given it to me at that time yeah but they they gave it to me in england which is kind of crazy but i was very sick i couldn't leave my flat and this has kind of been like whether or not this is burnout related i i do think like take a good look at yourself and how stable you are before you make decisions like moving to another country for a job which happens a lot with animation i had a private message with a guy who moved from uh this was this was after this based on this experience i got put in touch with him he'd like moved from very far away to a job in manchester mm. and he was also someone who had depression and i was just messaging he was just like i don't know what to do should i leave or whatever and like i'm still like facebook friends with him now he ended up moving home because he needed to but it was a similar thing where he was someone who had a lot of mental health struggles and then you know kind of thought i'll do this for myself and like it, it, there's a level where having control over your life is such an antidote to depression or yeah. like some sort of illusion of like, I don't want to say illusion because there is like some control you can have, but some level of not feeling like you're lying back and life is happening to you, which I think is, that's very conducive to depressive states. And that's yeah. like so much of like poverty. Can lead yeah, to depression poverty is real. Yeah. Poverty is being like the leading and consistent cause of, of a lot of people's mental health stuff for yeah, sure. I was thinking recently. Hello, Garrett, just chiming in again. Um, yeah, as I said before, we were recording for a long time and uh, things started to get kind of loopy towards the end, especially me. So I end up interrupting Rachel and kind of uh, steamrolling her story to talk about a, a non sequitur uh, observation that I had. And um, yeah, it's, it's I didn't feel good about it. I wanted to cut it out, but it led to an interesting discussion. So um, I thought I'd keep it in, but just to let you know that we do get back to Rachel's story later on and I'm sorry that I'm so pig ignorant okay bye 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 recently because like um there's this song Kayla showed me and it was uh, this comedian and she was doing like um I don't even know what musician she was parodying okay 
but the idea was um, she's like oh I get to be a singer for whatever a backup singer for this and then she shows her audition and this is such a long winded way of saying this but basically the song was like you know I know that we just met but it feels like I trust you more than anyone else in my life we don't know each other well but it feels like we do I met you an hour ago but I would do anything for you like I would kill myself if you asked me to I would kill myself I would kill myself for you I would kill myself if you asked me to if you killed yourself, I would kill myself too. But, uh, but either way, like, so much of, like, comedy now, and especially online and all this type of stuff, like, a lot of memes definitely are all based around, like, suicide. And, uh, and, and also, like, yeah. killing yourself over a slight grievance. Yeah. And I just remember, like, I, I find that funny. I still find that funny. Like, I'll be like, this is so funny. Like, uh, like and I, I end up doing it, like, especially when I'm drinking, which is really bad. I'll end up, like, tweeting out stuff. Like, I was at a wedding, yeah. and I tweeted out this thing. I was like, oh, imagine uh, the song Elevation, but instead of saying digging in a hole, he was like, I want to take my own life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> See, okay. <laughs> One, it's like, I laugh at these jokes, yeah. but a big, I remember when I was in therapy years mm. ago, a therapist think, told yeah. me, sorry, <clears throat> yeah therapist told me to stop cracking dark jokes about yeah. certain stuff like me and my friend at that point um we, we could like relate to some pretty dark stuff and we had a habit of joking about it and it was actually like if you're still dealing with something quite heavy i would advise like trying to stop joking about it yeah. i think suicide can be like a little bit different um depending and also people deal with stuff differently no. like um cracking jokes but like sometimes it's worth trying like you may be minimizing something that you can't quite confront but you know yeah. i'm nobody's psychologist i'm gonna continue now garth do yeah, yeah. um yeah so i oh, i wait, was sorry was it just about that uh, no no it's just about the reason i brought that up was just yeah. because i was wondering if because of people are so are let's say the millennial generation yeah. which, for want of a better word is uh, so economically kind of fucked. Is that the reason we find so much depression, um, so much depression, humor, and suicide stuff funny? You know, it's like I wonder because economically fucked people who are economically fucked having access to platforms where they can publish their thoughts. Yeah. Because like generationally, it's okay, not like yeah, yeah. it's not like there weren't like sometimes i i wonder if this like splitting people up into combative generations is useful because i mean there's yeah. there's rich fucks in silicon valley there is millennial is me or you yeah and they are certainly not fucked there's some level of alienation like and atomization that is like very specific to how we've set things up yeah and people rag on black mirror but phones yeah, phones yeah. um no but really i do worry like even just when I've like been on like discord chats like gay discord chats like which mm. I for a few months I was just chatting on one so I was chatting to like these like 17 18 year old gay people and it really like struck me how much they didn't talk to people in real life and they yeah, only yeah. talked to people online um and I think the last time when I was a teenager and I was doing that it was just like I was uh really really fucked up in the head and it did mm. not it did not help 
like alleviate the alienation at all like that's not really a joined up way of saying anything but like i like that's a contributor like i feel like no hope for the future is is a lot more to do with it like it's everything it's all encompassing it feels like capitalism capitalism has won the soviet union i feel was holding back a lot of crap yeah. And it was it was a threat, like an actual existential threat to capitalism that they mm-hmm. had to kind of placate their own workforce. Yeah. Like since the Soviet Union collapsed, like everything's just gone to hell. And like, I feel like to this day, like the amount of crap people talk about just the Soviet Union in general, it's like, this is such like depression yeah. from talking about depression, but just like examine yeah. the amount of propaganda that might be going on against the world's first worker state and yeah. like other existing socialist states. And it, does like frustrate me and it's kind of yeah there's a lot but climate change and like i mean i i was in work the finance guy was like oh do you want a pension and i was like no i think civilization will probably collapse before i need it i tweeted this on my locked twitter account um yeah but like he laughed and uh i think he thought i was making a joke but it wasn't like i'm serious and uh yeah I'm like, kinda like so that much well. of depression is not having any hope and not seeing any future for yourself and uh very difficult to combat that level of pessimism um and also we are exposed to a lot of americans and i think they're living in a in a particular hell that we in europe can't even begin to understand yeah like that there is i mean i think people in like third world third world capitalist countries that have been you know that have absolutely no workers rights they're probably living in a worse situation but there's just like a level of horror that I think Americans That's are in. That's true. I mean, like that is just unbelievable. I was watching like Sopranos recently. And that was one of the things that was brought up. Where it was like, it was it was only brought up in a very glib way, but there was something to it about the idea of like, this. He was asking this like Russian immigrant, like, why do you feel so like you know when everything's shit? You don't you don't, but you you feel happy, do you know? Yeah. And she was like, well, it's just Americans who spend all their time thinking about wh- how they can get happy or be happy, and like they hire these people to kind of talk them through why they're sad, yeah. you know? So there is a time of like, you know, there are definitely places that are more economically and maybe even socially devastated, yeah. but it's kind of, you, you'd be surprised what a human being can just kind of like acclimatize himself to, where it's kind of like, you know, I think at the moment you're seeing like, you know, something that was in America in particular, maybe they asked the question a lot more of how can I be happy or what can I do rather than accept it. Or maybe it's like a kind of something has brought all of the divisions strongly to the surface and they kind of are just can't avoid it anymore. There is a sick ideology that is like totally predominant. And yeah. also if you think of how image based our culture is and yeah. how very fast that happened and even internet being fast enough for yeah, videos. Exactly. The thing with phones is that you constantly have something in your hand with imagery in it. Yeah. Constantly being propagandized to by capital like by marketing do you yeah. know what i mean and like what marketing want does not want you to be happy and content it wants you to be looking at like lifestyle so you're like very conscious of like where you are is not in this like elevated position of like yeah. success so like there's a constant feeling of failure there is this whole notion that you can positive think your way out of it yeah so it's all like put on you and then it's kind of then and and anti-socialism seems quite pervasive in america Mm. and i was reading an article about resilience recently and it was kind of talking with people going through like very tough times and a lot of deprivation and still kind of like not breaking like for want of a better word because i don't like using like saying breaking about like you know stuff like that but like kind of being able to get on with it where they weren't severely damaged psychologically and it was kind of like a level of being able to be normal 
like straight away afterwards um and also like being engaged with solving wider problems around you like for me like i just like with with burnout culture and with animation it's just like for me and what we're saying like with poverty i find that like linking it into actually looking at like the wider conditions of your life and how you like link in with other workers gives you so much more of a feeling of being part of at least trying to achieve a solution in a way Mm. that like just trying to comfort yourself with yeah. consuming media and a or, community you know what i mean yeah. even if it's like a work community is still you yeah. know but it's important uh, it's like trying i think tr- feeling like you're trying to do something about the world mm. rather than like just feeling Accepting that grief it, yeah. you know it's hard um yeah what a total sidetrack i eventually yeah, anyway <laughs> i moved yeah. back to ireland um and i got a job in cavalier um i basically i i was on a lot of different medications i was on a particular one that was very bad for me, um, I decided to take myself off medication entirely because I'd been on it for years at that yeah. point. I believed that I was like misdiagnosed and I was given antidepressants when right, I shouldn't yeah. have been. Um, but anyway, yeah, I I was like, I need to it go can back. Can be a real to, blanket thing for a lot of times. Mm, yeah. yeah, GPs aren't equipped to deal no. with it, you know, and there just isn't like a structure in place really to help people um, with specialist needs. It's very generalized. Um, yeah I thought I need to go back to like that community I had before kind of Mm. the people and like that's what I'm missing and I just felt yeah just like quite isolated and like I missed everyone um so I applied for work back in Ireland and I got a job um working on a series called Pablo which is a lovely series about an autistic boy yeah it's a real good looking show as well it's so lovely um so I got to work as like a like production coordinator job where the actual title was render coordinator and uh it was that was a situation where very much like housing crisis uh was really like caused a lot of stress in my life and like work mm. was actually the thing where i would i would work very long hours because i did not want to like go home and like to the terrible house i lived in at that that's time another thing fucking hell yeah. i was in a yeah. i was living with people where like like it was like another couple and like they weren't having a great time personally and then it was like two couples like shoved together in this box and it was just like so difficult to deal with but like i think before i would have been like let's move to another house now but it's like yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. and when i moved back i realized like i realized like w- like previously i've been like i can't move home now because there's no way i can afford yeah to rent and i don't know like none of my mates are looking to rent and i'm kind of like too anxious to live with strangers like i learned this about myself just uh, ruins my quality of life but um depends yeah. on the stranger i had the kind of similar thing if it's yeah sound strangers are i mean it's a it's one of the dice and sometimes living with friends can be terrible um also true. for sure yeah, so I worked as a production coordinator and I really liked that. And I was like, I don't want to do art as a job anymore. And that's why I decided like for, for quite a while, I'd been thinking I want to work in production. And my when I was working as background artist, um, I kind of like Johnsy Byrne, who like shout out to Johnsy. Yeah, I don't know if he listens to this. A lot of people getting shout outs this time, but that's a very worthy <laughs> shout out. You know? uh, I don't know. I've never been on a podcast, Garth. Which is yeah. like oppor- shout out to like my hometown. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Um, he kind of uh, kind of trained me to be able to do his job if he had to take a day off. Mm. And then we were like a pretty small team, but it was like being able to take an episode and just break it down. Yeah. Um, and then make out a tracker and assign work and like be able to like the other two people on the team who were 
uh, a thousand times better artists than me, mm. but their admin skills were not that great. And it was kind yeah. of like learning, like, oh, I actually have some sort of a, a strange skill for this kind of organization, which I never would have identified in myself before being put into that position. Um, yeah, so I decided I will try and do production because I I can't. It feels like it sucks something out of me to have to make art in someone else's style as a oh, job. Fuck yeah. Like it's just it's problem solving and I know people that love it and they get a lot out of it and I feel like I was just like this square trying to like shove myself yeah. into a triangular shaped hole. That's the thing, one thing that I want to bring up as well what you have it there mm. is that in IEDT in particular, when I was there, not anymore, mm. there was I think actually we might have already brought this up, but there was people were kind of discouraged from specializing. Which was mm. like it was like you got to be an all rounder and uh, the animation part of animation there was like a lot of emphasis put on that so that was what I thought where I was kind of like oh I'm fucking useless why did I start this why did I do this but there's a lot involved in the process sorry okay. just remembering that I did say this in a previous episode but worth repeating that yeah. like you uh, need to find what you want it's it's okay to figure yeah. out what you want to do you don't have to be like you know everything to everyone 100% god yeah. I mean you know I'm 32 now yeah um and like I only I only went into production like I don't know 29 or something like so I've been like floundering around you know for five or six years not really sure where I fit in and yeah. stuff like that and I think anyone else and there's quite a lot of people out there who have a chronic issue of any kind like a mental one especially like it can take you a really long time to kind of figure out how you can fit yourself into being able to work a job um but yeah i guess like the the reason almost i was we were talking about this yeah. was like you had an experience with burnout but also like i guess i wanted like if if any students are listening to me talk about this at this point kind of that if you <laughs> have a need kind of like if you can do your job really well it's kind of i think never be afraid to flag with people in need you have i this is such a silly thing but yeah. i was sitting on a broken chair for a year which i am no still and still <laughs> un, nobody knew garth yeah, because yeah. i was like too timid even at like and i didn't even yeah, think yeah, of myself yeah. as a timid person at that point like i would be way more confident than like mm. the people just out of college and i was just like you know hey you know i know what i'm about but I didn't even think to say, look, I really need a different chair. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I was so, like, I'm but a lowly prole and, like, mm. I must sit in my chair. Um, you know, sure, it's grand. And I ended up damaging myself, like, so no badly. Way. Like, I'm still undoing, like, just one side of my body is, like, locked up. And that's such a small thing. But, like, it's made me really conscious of, like, other people in terms of, like, animators looking after their bodies, you know. That's always, the thing. I mean, like, like you know, there was... Um, this is the token shit that people say where it's like watch your back because that's the first to go and it's like well that's true you know but there are other things like i think like i'm making myself blind by looking at two different screens do you know what i mean mm. or like you see these people with these friggin' wrist straps and it's like you know having to you know that's, that's so fucked i don't you know? think that's very like people if if someone hasn't if a physiotherapist hasn't told you to wear one of those yeah. i would like really worry about people wearing them instead of strengthening their hands yeah it's kind of like i only realized so like i worked through burnout for a very long time and mm. i worked in a very high level of stress and eventually my body broke and i'm now in constant pain um and dealing with that is like being like it's been over a year now um and a huge part of that is like learning to like you have to exercise you just have but that was what made me do it i was yeah, so yeah. i would always walk and stuff 
but like I was so lazy about it and yeah. like that that is a bit of a thing you know a lot of animators they love quite sedentary things like watching yeah. movies and playing video games and it's kind of like you need to like unleash your inner jock a little bit like yeah, do yeah. some yoga because you're, you're sitting one, yeah. for for 10 to 14 hours like animating um I don't know it's it does freaking manatees basically it's kind of <laughs> like, like some sort of wally future here it's not even like sitting versus standing um even it's it's just like staying in one position for that mm. long it's like not good for you but yeah i think it, people get because of this feeling of like i am nothing and i'm lucky to be here and work exactly. like rather than i need accommodations and it's okay for me to ask for them and like yeah. people won't think this person doesn't even appreciate that they have a job and it's like if you're talking to someone in production they're usually a normal sane human yeah and they were yeah. like they were they're just another worker like they're not like they might be in a position where they can like hand you a job to do but they're not like your boss they don't own the company i do think that that um, like starts in like third level as well because there's yeah. a certain time where i was like we would ask for things and people would look very shocked and annoyed and yeah. then the other the other thing was the the studio that's around the corner and like you know they would they would describe like you know oh what a studio will do if you do a certain thing do you know what i mean or like or they give their war stories that they love to give. Oh, I remember the first time I was in between and for such and such. And he came over and said it was the stupidest piece of shit he'd ever seen. And he said, what the fuck is wrong with you? And it's like, oh, oh. but that was just like it was. But, and it's like, you know, <laughs> they take pride in this idea of somebody like... Abusing you. Abusing you, you yeah. yeah. And it's like, because we're in a creative kind of field, it's yeah. like, you know. But of course, that doesn't happen. And if it does happen, it's not to be accepted, do you know? It's not just part oh, part for the course, you know. It's it's also like a problem when you have a lot of quite small studios that don't have HR departments. Exactly. Like, yeah. And then nobody kind of understands. There's no system in place. It's like you yeah. can kind of begin to see like, um, you you expect corporate structures and you're working for small businesses yeah, like by yeah. people that were like two friends or you know a few friends that set it up. When I said two friends, I was like that's like a lot of too directed yeah, yeah. um yeah but like so if you get a personnel issue it's like who deals with this you yeah, know no. and it's like it's nobody's no we're all friends here there's job. no problems you know it's yeah it's really it's really odd so i was like i was very lucky and i got promoted to be a production manager on this season two of pablo for a while but like that was an unusual it was an unusual position to be in because you do become just even like hiring crew and yeah. like it's a normal part of life because productions happen and you you hire crew but it's also being put into a really ho like odd position of like gatekeeping a yeah, job and yeah. kind of like having being on the other side of something i know it's it's not nice i mean like you know and you're I, you're do you know this fucking i'm one day i'm going to talk about this guy because this is like one of the greatest yeah like the cringiest things i've ever been at but one of the things he was uh, it was like some guy he was like a director at some conference and uh, but that was one of the things he said when you're hiring people make sure to get one fucking mad bastard in there to like shake things up you know what I mean and I was like okay and then he talked about the mad bastard he'd hired and it's of course like some serious Cal Arts graduate who has like all this type of backing behind them but does their own thing you know and it was just this what's the qualification for mad bastard um, in this scenario somebody who like has a really raucous sense of humor and is like some fucking new grounds born and bred person who has the skills to pay the bills you know um so it's really it was really dumb but it, but it was like it's that same thing of like every time you're at these 
you know, because we need to, or because these studios need people to work later or they need them to give up something about themselves and they need to say stuff like, you know, we're all a family and we're all here and look at our art blogs and this, that and the other. Yeah. You know? But then um, um, the, the way that they choose it is not like that. Like the way that you have, to, you have to select people if you're hiring people is not like, my heart tells me this person is good. It's like, yeah. it's actually quite an economical decision because you look at somebody, you're like, here's how the length of time they got the test done and here's this, that and the other. Do you know what I mean? You don't necessarily make decisions based on somebody's creative impulse because that's not what's needed in a kind of assembly process it's, show you know? they, yeah okay so yeah if you're on if you're on a show like a tv show that has 52 episodes or whatever exactly. and you have departments it's so much more about can this person like use these programs well and are yeah. they organized and production experience isn't like talented artist it's like able to work in a team reliably hit deadlines yeah. um yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot more soft skills involved than yeah. I think, like you would kind of think coming out of college for sure. Um, but yeah, I think being being good in a production is very different to being good as an independent artist. Obviously, yeah. those two things can coexist in the same person. But um, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting set of things. All right, like it's so much more like a it's like a factory full of artists. It's a yeah, it's exactly. a bizarre place as an animation studio. It's good to get a little bit of money and kind of up your skills in certain things but it's mm. not like you know nobody should ever see it as like something that's fulfilling necessarily like you can you can say you have a sense of achievement by making stuff with people yeah. and and accomplishing something but ultimately like and also like if that's the way you want to go then that's fine but let's say that you know i don't know i, I know some people and they've like submitted to hackfest all the time and they're just having like difficulty getting noticed and getting jobs and then it's kind of like they they make these incredible films yeah but like oftentimes people aren't looking for those skills they you know they they don't want auteurs they want like these people who can you know also like if you're going for like a children's show like yeah, exactly. having like sweet and subtle character acting yeah and like and a solid walk cycle yeah. and some lip syncing will like do so much more than like look at my amazing ninja fight scene which yeah, like yeah, totally. it has mind-blowing animation in it so like it is such a it's an interesting one like i've seen posts online from people who are clearly like quite embittered you know kind of like it's nothing to do with your skills to you know and it's like yeah totally like yeah. i've gotten every job or most jobs through knowing people like yeah. they're like she's sound yeah yeah. And like that's that's another I think problem for people that have maybe social issues as well. That's like, another that is one hundred percent true. Yeah. You know? Like I'm quite I mean, I don't know how I've gotten into the position of people recommending me because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like a total hermit, loads of social anxiety and like it's all quite difficult. But yeah, um, yeah. you know, you can do it. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm beginning to like I'm beginning to zone out here. I'm like reaching yeah okay we've reached yeah. peak conversation have we have we like <laughs> my energies have we like chronicled have we, is there one point we're missing from your life story linking back into cultural burnout or like st anything that you left that you want to uh, talk about that you came here today to talk about I, I think like I didn't I was too worried about money I didn't take my health seriously like I didn't go to a doctor I didn't I took way too much pride in not taking sick days mm I'm pushing my, which is like, I feel like embarrassed to say that because I'm, I'm so like, go home if you're sick. Yeah. But um, I will just say like, not having sick pay is such a, f a massive issue. Like, yeah. 
that's a legislative thing um and it really affects people like i've definitely heard attitudes from sometimes with people when you would say you know we have a few days of sick pay i've heard people say like people will take the piss out of that you know they'll just hate that i hate that and it's kind of like well you know maybe so but like i think what's more likely to happen is people will come in very sick and then make themselves worse and then yeah. you lose more time with them after production it's such a tremendous lack of empathy sometimes because it's kind of like people would exploit it and it was like i don't give a shit people exploit it as long as one person gets some benefit from it you know what i mean but again like that's such a that's a legislative thing it's like yeah. a, like businesses are for making money they're not charities so you just can't rely on kind of like people making a business decision to lose money to take care of their workers i yeah. mean like you know props to like people that do that they're great but like we need like a like get together and be active for like all workers rights and how this like specifically affects animation and so we talk about that all the time but it's like affecting people working in all sorts of different sectors like it's it's definitely not just us and like yeah that like brain bag is really good they have like a doctor and stuff like yeah or like yeah a company doctor you can go to and like so that's really cool about having like a a large a large company with that um yeah, I will say uh, accommodations were made for me, like in specifically Cavalier, um, which were really good. Like they allowed me work from home for two days. And it kind of yeah, was yeah. like, you know, I guess if you're in trouble, you kind of was like trying to ask for stuff that ended up not really working out for me personally. Yeah. Um, but I knew also someone who was um, an amazing, like high up person. And he had had like chronic pain since he was 10 or something. And yeah. he was like still able to do his job. But he was like working from home and was like, have to be really careful in every other area of his life. Yeah, yeah, but that. Yeah yeah it's it's kind of there's certain things that you can't rely on private businesses to be able to take care of on their own and it needs to be like state funding in place for like making accommodations enforcement of something and not just if you have like no legs you know like that level of disability like kind of i don't know i it's probably like insane but i'm just like decent ergonomic like chairs for people that feels Mm -hmm. like a health expense like a public health expense like rather than something I don't know, but then I'm just like, everyone should subsidize private businesses to my yeah, chairs. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why I realized I was going down that road. No, full communism. Um, yeah. In like my communist utopia, uh, everyone will be taken cut care of. Cut her mic. <laughs> Take as many sick days as you like. Yeah, no, I've realized I'm like, I'm totally, this happens to me. I'm like, I've run out of yeah. mind juice. Please okay. cut most of what I just said. No, no, it was all really <laughs> good. And it was very informative I, as well. And um like everyone I'm always talking to people and then we like we run way long and then I'm just like fuck I need to get somebody this person back again you know so alright we'll just wrap it up there I'll, I'll I might chop trim it a bit please but, do um, my god but it was great no we got a whole kind of broad um, strokes of uh, your life and experiences animation and then also some important points about burnout culture which is you know a horrible thing that is actually only getting worse because I think we were built on the bones of industry and business and now the silicon tech guys and our love for them um, resist you know, hustle culture yeah exactly and so now it's just it's it's yeah no i'm 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 not a fan although i do think that as well as let's say that a positive note to end on as well as mm. well as like uh, businesses and people using the internet for evil to make mm-hmm. our lives harder i did a talk in bally there a while uh, oh, cool. a few weeks back 
and uh, it was amazing to see how also informed all the people were in there because yeah. they were like oh we know that this is happening in this studio or this is happening in this studio and then and i was like i did not know this at all like when i was in college it's pretty so great yeah i i don't know if it's across the board and i'm certainly down in you know fucking limerick where where they're cut off from a lot of these courses as well i imagine that it's not as easy but I, the thing is you know hopefully we can set up more communities online and start being like a bit more active about sharing information and telling people what's acceptable and what isn't and uh, use the machine against them so the yeah, be open uh, about your pay yeah open about your pay open about your pain and um so oh. the last thing we'll say is it's uh, whistle while you work On a Hackfest uh, thing, we, we ask people what podcast they're listening to now and also what song potentially, because I used to be like album, but I don't think people really listen to albums. Oh, right. So I've got some some stuff today. I don't know if I have, do I have a podcast? I might have a podcast. Um, okay, well, we'll just, we can cut this bit out. We'll just think for like two, I two can, seconds. I can answer this question. Like right Oh, away. really? Okay, yeah, go yeah, for yeah. it. Uh, it's the first time. So, so I yeah, I've listened to Lisa O'Neill, who I got, Ooh. my housemate was blasting her. Um, and it's a song called Rock the Machine that I had on on repeat. It's like a kind of Shan Nosy style folk about yeah. a, a dock worker losing his job to nice. automation. Very relevant to this podcast. Um, yeah, really beautiful. If you like Irish folk kind of style. And she also comes down to I forgot the name of the pub it's down in Stony Batter on Manor Street she actually comes in there and sings at sessions sometimes which is pretty cool um, and podcast wise I don't really listen to podcasts anymore I, really? listen, I listen to the hack pod like hey. in preparation uh, I listen to audiobooks um, what's an audiobook then that you'd recommend uh, that I'd recommend um, I listen to a book by Cameron Hurley called The Stars Are Legion I believe and it was horrific like body horror Mm. um all the characters were female um and it was this sort of like giving birth to parts of a ship it was about like world ships and it's kind of like if you like junji ito yeah you'll like this book so yeah was that the one with the cliff with the mountain it was all takes takes in place in like a a a body ship japanese one oh my god yeah yes with the mountain yes i know the one you're on about uh this hole was made for me yeah yeah Uh, amagara fault i think yeah yeah I, I heard about it on another podcast and then i was like downloaded it and read it and oh I was my like, god yeah it's pretty spooky yeah read that in college it really really stuck with me i do think about that quite a lot i don't yeah. know what it is but like you know compulsion yeah what i used to think about was um i used to have a i used to have kind of like intrusive thoughts basically violent kind of stuff do you know yeah same i think it's super yeah, common. yeah. it's not yeah and uh, mm. it was only in, way into college that i found out that oh actually if it's you know meditation and stuff like this the idea of letting just living with it you know what i mean yes and allowing them to exist and not putting fuel on the fire but i used to have a lot of kind of things that i would think about that i didn't like thinking about and um when some of them were to do with you know well we won't say what, what they were doing with necessarily but one of the ones that i heard cause in case they trigger something to somebody else because that that would always happen with me be listening mm-hmm. and then i'd hear this word and, to take off my headphones you know yeah. <laughs> um but um but anyway i one of the things i used to think and it didn't like upset me but i did think about it a lot for whatever reason <laughs> was um the idea of a big giant with like big hands okay like picking up somebody up by the head you know and they weren't, they weren't even like a giant, like they're really big. They're just like about two times the size of a regular person but with really big hands, mm. you know? 
and the idea of somebody being picked up by the head was like you know for some reason it was a big fixation of my, I wanted to like draw and animate it <laughs> the idea of like you know picking somebody up by the head and throwing them or something I think that's something like that literally happens in that book that I just yeah. described oh like, really yeah like well. horrible maybe don't listen to it I guess um <laughs> Yeah. So the music, I was kind of thinking about this because we were talking about like, I knew I was going to be talking about depression. So I wanted to talk about the stuff that I listen to when I'm annoyed or sad, Aww. you know. So um, not a very pleasantly named band, but um, I, the, do you know the Retards? No. They have this very scuzzy sounding punk that like is just fills my head with uh it's like a really aggressive white noise. So if I'm ever feeling like pretty pissed off or like sad, yeah. it's great to just listen. This one song in particular is when I get mad. <laughs> it's like I don't really, uh, oh, you know, the, the, I think this the the sentiment in it. I don't know. I haven't really done any research into the man Jay Retard, but um, don't ever look up musicians. No, especially not punk musicians. You know, and um, but like. Um, but that was a very good song. And then we were talking about this before. So instead of mentioning a podcast, I'm just going to mention this uh, concept album by Stephen Merritt. Both of the albums are good. It's his outfit, The Gothic Archies. Uh, the first one is called... I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's the first album. It's on. It's, it's like an EP. It's on Spotify. It's very good. It's got... Uh, one of the ones that it has is... Um, good Lord. It used to be my favorite song. I can't remember the name of it. Um, I can't remember that. But... Um, I think it's called Ever Falls the Twilight, and it's a there. It's goth pop, kind of pop, like I was describing it earlier on. Bubblegum pop is like the Archies, like sugar, doo -doo -doo -doo. and this one is like goth pop, bubblegum pop. So the idea is just to make the most you know, farcically depressing sounding lyrics possible, you know. And one of them is uh, one of the names of one of the songs, which is a very good one, is uh, "Smile, No One Cares How You Feel." So um, yeah, that one um, amazing. So uh, look up that one. It was a, it was a, what I said. It was a concept album. It was made for the series of unfortunate events books. I can't remember what it's called. You find it. Just type in Gothic Archies in Spotify. It'll be there. Um, anyway, where can people find you on social media, Rachel? Uh, my Instagram is unlocked. Um, everything else is kind of private. So my Instagram's Fleshpile. I post my strange drawings on there. They're yeah. Kind of. I don't know. Have you ever seen my drawings? Yeah, they're great. They're a bit weird. Very. Uh, I want to say. I don't want to say violent, but I want to say something like, it's you know, just what comes out. I don't pre plan them. God, I don't. It's something like visceral, but not like that. It's because visceral is like visceral just reminds me of like some sort of assassin. You know what I mean? I like visceral. That, that yeah. feels like a compliment. Um, but it was. I think it's very like there's something that's coming from the 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 gut. You know, where it's very uh, uh, primal as well. Do you know what I mean? Like very. Anyway, no, and it it all sounds like I'm saying that it's not planned or spontaneous because there is this kind of but there's an energy in it and it's really gorgeous it is pretty spontaneous so, yeah. yeah but um i love it yeah it's great stuff and you can find us on uh, we are hack inc on most social media um yeah i don't know don't really have info at we are sometimes that email works it's connected to the website which frequently goes down for whatever reason and um so you know just you can listen to the podcast all right thanks very much thanks rachel thank you Bye. Bye. I'm losing will. My hands are soft as cotton gloves. 
Stop. 